0: hi everyone and welcome to another episode of get into it with gila i'm gila glassberg and i'm so excited to release this episode with Paige smathers Paige has been somebody who i've been following for a bunch of years probably since i am in the intuitive eating space she lives in salt lake city utah which i told her on the episode i never met anyone that lives in salt lake city utah she has a really interesting story about her uh her general story to becoming um, a dietitian and an intuitive eating counselor um but then you know the The episode takes a little spin, like using social media to promote your podcast and being aligned with your values and showing up up like that in your practice and how you show up in the world. And that kind of means nowadays on social media. So I really respect Paige's approach to checking in with yourself. How does that feel? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? And always checking in to make sure that your actions are matching your values. And I really, really, really appreciate that. You could listen to this episode wherever you get your podcast. You could check it out on YouTube as well as IGTV. Uh, please make sure to like, comment, and share and give a five-star rating if you're listening listening to this on podcast. Um, if people uh, see that, then um, Apple will move this podcast up in the rankings and more people can find this information. And as we all know, the more I talk about it, the more fueled I become, the more I hear about diet culture in, in my community and the greater population that sometimes it's just it feels like you're swimming upstream but you are swimming upstream and people have to hear these messages people have to know that they don't have to be dieting they don't have to be stuck in diet culture for the rest of their lives there's another way there are other people doing it there are so many practitioners now doing it um and if you would like to work with me you want to make peace with food you want to learn about the principles of intuitive eating um, practice better self-care not use food as your only form of self-care go to my website www.gillaglassberg.com and you could apply for a 20-minute free consultation i look forward to hearing from you and enjoy the episode have a great day hi everyone and welcome to my podcast get into it with gila i know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration powerful tools and insights and valuable knowledge if you want more of this please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on instagram at gila glassberg i'm gila glassberg a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor i've come to realize by counseling many many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Everybody, thank you for joining me on another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, and today I have Paige Smathers. Hi, Paige. How are you? Hi. Good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, could you let's start with just um, introducing yourself? Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? What do you do?
1: Yeah. So my name is Paige Smathers, and um, I. Sorry, I'm gonna have a kitty who's maybe gonna be joining. No
0: problem. Me, we love co um, guests. So-
1: So I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I have a private practice um, in nutrition. Here's Mm -hmm. the kitty. (laughs) And um, we are four registered dietitians. We're primarily insurance-based practice. And um, I've gone through my own process with, you know running a business and the work that we do and philosophy and values and just all of that kind of stuff is really integral to the work that I do with my clients, but also just, um, just to take care of myself as a clinician too. So yeah, I feel really grateful to do the work I do. I love being a dietitian and I love being able to, I'm so sorry, this kitty. No problem. Um, uh, Sorry. One sec.
0: No problem. Take your time.
1: Sorry. Sometimes he can just sit calmly on my lap and sometimes he wants to like play. So
0: no problem. No problem. Um,
1: Yeah. So um, that's who I am. That's what I do. And then personally and privately, what I like to do with my free time is I live really close to the mountains. So I love to be outside. I love to be in nature and I have um, two little girls and a husband and I'm really into hobbies. I'm exploring who I am outside of work too, which is a lot of fun. So, mm-hmm. kind of the gist.
0: Got it. Okay, so so you live in Salt Lake City. Did you grow up there?
1: No, I grew up in California, the Bay Area.
0: Oh, uh, could I ask how did you end up in Salt Lake City? I don't know anyone that lives in Salt Lake City, so.
1: Okay, <laughs> yeah, no problem. Well, actually, I was raised Mormon. I'm no mm-hmm. longer practicing. Um, so I went to BYU, and that's where I met my husband. And if you don't know, BYU is a is a. Um, LDS church run university. So, um, I, I came out here to finish up my schooling and then met my husband. He went to grad school at the university of Utah. And so we were hanging out here, staying here. And then it was just kind of like, where else would we go? Because it really, it fits our lifestyle really well. Um, but for those who don't know, leaving, um, leaving any religion is hard, but especially one where there is, um, like a lot asked of you and it's a Mm -hmm. lot it's pretty much your community and your culture and your um support system so it was pretty traumatic I actually Mm -hmm. don't usually talk publicly about it but I'm in a place now where I'm kind of like just gonna own what what brought me where so so yeah so that was about we we both left together about six years ago and that's actually why I started podcasting was um Sorry, you didn't ask this question at No, go
0: it. for it. It's so, um, it's so much easier when the guest speaks.
1: <laughs> so when I was leaving my religion, losing my religion, struggling with that, it was it's hard to overstate how difficult that is.
0: Because I, mean, so I understand much- as as a as a Jew, just like when you leave yeah. like the Jewish faith. I mean, I didn't, but I'm saying I could understand if somebody would, it would be very traumatic.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and it's hard as even if you're like a very open-minded person inside of a religion as I was when I was in my religion, like I fancied myself very open-minded, but what happened was just learning how difficult it is to leave. Like, it's just such a different perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was very, very, very challenging, like in every way, because there are so many kind and compassionate and wonderful people in my religion But slash and there is so much said about people who leave and there's so much, so many assumptions made about who you are and your character and your goodness and your value and your worth. And so leaving and knowing that other people were thinking that about me and possibly, um, you know, just feeling negatively toward me and dealing with all my people pleasing stuff that I was raised with and just as part of my personality Anyway, it was very, very challenging, and so I actually turned to podcasts as a way to sort of find support and community, and in the process, like, really found so much value out of it that I decided I wanted to give back, but I wanted to do it in a way that was, like, more true to what I am good at and what I know about, and so that's why I started my podcast in 2015, and here I am. So it's, it is a big part of my story. It's not something I talk about publicly very much because, or I didn't, I'm fine to talk about it now, but um, it is such a tricky thing living in a place with, with, that's primarily and predominantly the religion that I left, right? Because now people may assume that they think, you know, that they may know something about me that isn't true, or they may assume that I'm, negative toward them or I don't like them or I reject their life, which I don't. And so I've had to occupy this space of being really um, thoughtful about how I communicate and how I still am able to serve the people in my community and maintain a sense of trust because there is this tendency to kind of be like, if you leave, then that means you hate me or you hate what matters to me. And so There's a lot of what I talk about with food and how I run my business. That's very much informed by my experience with leaving my religion and also still living in the heart of Salt Lake city where the headquarters of the church are and where Mm -hmm. a lot of people are practicing members. So that's
0: kind of the gist. <laughs> that's really interesting. I could ask you like now, I could go in a million different directions. So we have a whole hour. So there's always so much to talk about. <laughs> I know. Actually, what you said, what I have a few things that I jotted down. But the thing that I, I always say that intuitive eating overlaps with so many areas of our life, right? So like, let's say, I always try to like, give a statistic, like, like a breakdown, like, I would probably say, like, 95% of the world is still in diet culture and then there's like that five to 10% of us like trying to break that barrier of diet culture right I don't know if I'm right but like still kind of feels like that
1: yeah it feels like that I'd say yeah. that's the way it for sure yeah yeah
0: so it's definitely you know becoming more like I, when I ask people have you heard of intuitive eating they're like yeah I heard of it It means like eat whatever you want I'm like not quite but you heard of it you know <laughs> right right um but no, but I, and then I, then I'll hear people tell me like, oh, I'm a, I'm a nutrition student. I'm taking a class on intuitive eating. Like I'll hear things like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yes, like, it's kind of like when you grew up, grow up a certain religion and then you leave it. And I, I could understand that being a Jew that like anyone who kind of like leaves the f- faith, it, there is a lot of trauma that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Even if that person doesn't leave because they're trying to reject the religion or reject the people that they love it could still feel like that
1: totally yes
0: so because i mean i don't really know anything about being a mormon at all but i know that being a religious jew it's your entire life is about being a religious jew basically of course you have your job and your your whole life is about being a jew really Yeah. So, same with
1: same with being mormon right it's yeah. like you're at church most days of the week you're in community with your neighbors and you go to church with them and you serve them and you think about them and you um, spend time with them and so yeah when you leave it's like then then your whole life it's almost like your your beliefs your practices your culture your ancestry your sense of who you are and where you fit into this world just also um, falls apart I guess and and that's like that's super 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 hard and then to add like the feeling of rejection or looking down on you on top of how hard it already is personally it's just like it's it up until covid it was the hardest thing i've ever done Wow, i haven't had a super easy life (laughs) right
0: oh wow yeah and like you said like you're basically saying like it was your like the biggest part of your identity so like can't you i i could see that overlap with people who diet like that is the biggest part of their identity, like maybe outside of being a Jew (laughs) for the clients who I work with who are Jewish, but like, yeah, like they're the person who, who, when they go somewhere, everyone knows to get them special diet food, or they're the person that like knows to ask diet questions or, or, or they're the fat person or they're the skinny person, or it's just their identity. So like, I could totally see that overlap and how that would totally inform your practice. Um, Well, how, so how did you get, I I might've heard this on a different podcast, but I, I don't remember. And my listeners don't know. So how did you become interested in nutrition to begin with?
1: Yeah. Um, I actually decided that I wanted to be a dietitian when I was 14, which is kind of a strange story. And I just never changed my mind. I went to a career day in high school and I listened to a dietitian talk about her job. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, growing up, I was really active. I was an athlete and I just found it interesting to think about you know, when I eat this for lunch versus that for lunch, I notice I have more energy in my game. What's that about? I also was raised, um, my mom is a really great cook. And so I was, we ate lots of really yummy food. And so I liked to cook. I love to sit on the counter with her and see how she's combining ingredients and see how she's stirring and how she makes this and how she makes that. And it was, it's just always been something that I've enjoyed being a part of. I dabbled in some sort of body image and dieting things in high school, but it really just never was me. Like I've always loved food and I've always just really enjoyed science and I'm kind of pretty nerdy as a human. I just love learning new things. And so it was just a good fit in that way. And then as I became a dietitian, I realized it's such a good fit for my personality too, because I get to get to know people and connect with them and ask lots of questions and really like provide a safe space for them to explore their relationship with food. I didn't know that at the time, but that's become like my favorite part of my job is just, I get to kind of be like a therapist, but I don't have to talk about all the, all the things, just the food mm-hmm. and body things. Right. right, right, <laughs> yeah. right.
0: Although all the things come up when I when all
1: the talk. things come <laughs> up, I just yeah. don't provide interventions around all the things, which is right. I, kind right. of nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can totally relate to that. I feel like a therapist, but also not. So that's yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so, so that's an interesting story just because like, I, I don't know, I feel like most people's stories like, you know, I had disordered eating or eating disorder. And then like, I wanted to heal my own relationship with food where I wanted to get all the diet tricks. And that was not your story. Not really. And I mean, then, I
1: naively thought that I would learn the perfect way to eat. I thought yeah. that that's what it would lead to, um, yeah. but that's just not what ended up happening. I think I chilled out a lot with learning about the science and learning about what does and doesn't matter with how you feed yourself, and so, um, yeah, that's another reason why I'm actually really passionate about like teaching about the actual science of nutrition because I think that that can be super empowering and helpful to be not as caught up by the diety stuff.
0: Yes, I actually took your nutrition course, yeah, which is right. funny because I'm a I have my my master's in diet in nutrition, but I was just like you know I've never learned nutrition through the lens of intuitive eating, and I mm-hmm. just as I was. As I was saying, I'm still in the middle of the course. I was like, yeah, I learned that. Yeah, I learned that. Yeah, I learned that. And if you really wanted to glean from the classes without diet culture stuff, it's really not diet culture. It's science. Yeah, and, it's science, You yeah. know. Yeah, so, but I wish more people knew that.
1: It's like we learn the science, but we like take it through the lens of dieting. And yeah. it's, it's kind of, yeah, like putting it in a different spot of your brain. Like, no, we don't have to be on a diet to eat fruits and vegetables. Like, right. We eat them because we know that they give us what they what we need and they help us feel good and they fuel us, but that's not and they taste need. really
0: good and, and they're they crunchy good. and yeah. they're my kids. Yes. It's so fun to watch them eat fruits and vegetables, like without it being like they're not forced to eat them at all. And they're like, This is so sweet and this is so juicy and it's just so cute, you know?
1: It is. that's so wonderful.
0: Yeah. yeah. So did did someone introduce you to intuitive eating? Like how did you find how did you find that?
1: Yeah, you know what's really funny is I I really feel like I found intuitive eating before I read the book. Um, I, when I was new as a dietitian, I kind of felt a little bit rogue and a little bit weird because I was working in the clinical setting, in the hospital setting, and I would go out to lunch with my dietitian colleagues, and I'd have a cookie sometimes, I'd have a salad sometimes, I'd have, you know, the hamburger, whatever. Like I would, I, I was eating just kind of what was there and what the cafeteria was serving and then I had noticed the other dietitians were just like kind of weird about food and I was like oh yeah like I guess that's just a dietitian thing but like I like I'm not I'm not doing that that's not who I am I don't want to do that um there were also like a lot of experiences of dating my husband and then being married and combining our food lives together and just kind of he taught me a lot about like honoring fullness. I grew up in a house where it was impolite to not just like be stuffed after a meal, you know, I was
0: going to ask you, was there diet culture in your house? Or I guess that was yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was raised 50 50 at, um, my mom's house and my dad's house. My parents are divorced and there were different food cultures in both houses, but they were both I don't talk very much on my own podcast about this cause I know my parents will sometimes listen, but like they were both problematic in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and we've since had conversations and you know I recognize everyone's learning and they were doing their best. And there was a lot of like fat shaming and a lot of um, diet culture stuff, a lot of weighing, a lot of kind of comparing, trying my pants on being like, my pants fit, your pants fit me. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, ooh, that kind of jacks you up as a teenager. Yes. Um But for the most part, I I was kind of like doing sports all the time and with my friends. And I just kind of I was a pretty independent kid. I I almost sort of did did a lot of the parenting for myself just because of the circumstances of how things were.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, so yeah, I there was diet diety stuff at home, but it just it was, I wouldn't say like super severe, but it was probably pretty run-of-the-mill and normal for the time. Um, So I found intuitive eating kind of more intuitively. Like I just kind of let go, like I gathered up a lot of rules in high school. And I think I just let them go slowly through my education. And then through um, my like new experiences with my now husband, just like he ate very differently from me for his own reasons. He was just a lot more um, consistent about Mm -hmm. his eating. I was more like, don't eat very much. And then, oh, I need to eat all the food at night, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we just kind of rubbed off on each other in different ways. And I I think through my schooling and him, and just kind of being a really introspective person, like, "Hmm, how's this going? What do I think? How's this working for me? I basically was fairly, pretty much an intuitive eater by the time I became a dietitian was in my first few jobs. Um, and, and then I took a job as the outpatient dietitian for the hospital that I was in. So I was no longer doing the inpatient work. I was working with, um, patients coming in to the outpatient setting, which was really different. And mm-hmm. when I was getting trained for that position, um, we talked about intuitive eating. And then I actually saw the book on the shelf and then actually read it and was like, Oh, this is, yeah, this is what I've been doing. How cool. I didn't know it was a thing. And then um, it was really interesting, though, because when I was, I read like the original version. So I still was sort of in like, it's a weight loss thing. Like, oh, this is like a cool way to lose weight because actually, mm-hmm. um, like, yeah. So, yeah, like I'd seen that kind of happen for some people in my circles. And so I, that was just like where I was at. and. As a dietitian, we're very like zoomed in and focused on weight loss. And so it took me a little while to like really let go of that and really learn why that probably isn't a helpful way of looking at it. And where I've really landed in a space of like philosophically health is very different from weight loss. They're not necessarily the same thing. And as a dietitian, I'm promoting health and good quality nutrition. And whatever happens with the body as a result of that is what happens. I'm less invested in making promises about what someone's body will do with mm-hmm. acquiring healthier habits. So anyway, some of the that health is. at every size and intuitive eating dietitians can kind of make it sound like it, they don't care about your health. Right. And it, sometimes people can interpret the message as anti-health. And so I just feel really strongly, and I've checked in with myself over and over again about this, like no, that's my job. Like I want right. to help people eat in a way that supports their health and well-being. Like absolutely, hundred percent.
0: Right. Yeah. I think that it's just one of those things that's really hard to like, you can't teach intuitive eating from one Instagram post, like eat this, mm-hmm. don't eat this, or, you know, like intuitive eating isn't about weight loss. Okay. So what is it about? You know, like yeah. it's confusing. It's one of those things that like, it that's why, yeah. Like that's why podcasts are so good or like books or people don't want to do all that research, but like it's not just one of those things that you just like hear once, you know, you know how it's like when people come yeah, to the yeah. office, they're like, I heard about intuitive eating. So I could just, you know, of course it's about health, but people, it's hard to, it's hard for people to separate weight loss and health. Cause it's just, that's been their culture forever, you know?
1: Totally, totally. Yeah. And that's like most, that is like a huge chunk of the work that I do in my one-on-one sessions is like separating that and working mm-hmm. through the distinctions between honoring our health and dieting for weight loss, they can feel very similar. And even sometimes the way that you nourish yourself or take care of yourself or honor yourself from an intuitive eating place, sometimes, and this is going to sound like really like nuanced, so we can talk about it. If you're like, ah, what do you mean? But Sometimes it ends up looking similar to what you did when you were dieting, right? Like, right. oh, I go grocery shopping every week. Oh, I mm-hmm. make sure that I have a plan for what I'm right. eating. Right. But like, there's just more flexibility. There's more gentleness. The intention is different. Yeah. The like mindset, the reasons, right? Like, and, or maybe some of the choices do look different. Maybe you're mm-hmm. like, no, I need to eat a cookie right now so that right. I can have that freedom. hmm but that sometimes throws people off um, because they want it to like be completely opposite or look completely different yeah. And it's like the truth is it's more in the gray area like it just yeah. it's not obvious and it's more nuanced and it's more deep and rich and personalized than any instagram post can make it seem like you know
0: right right actually okay so i wanted to i really want to talk about your post on instagram where you were talking about um how you switch to insurance-based because you don't want insti- you don't want to go according to an algorithm which I thought was like very unique because I, I was saying before we started recording like all the a lot of the business coaches dietitians really successful ones who seem successful are like like just do what you got to do the algorithm you know go with the algorithm like you got to keep up with social media then I've, I've of course heard from other like business coaches like You know, some people don't even have social media. Some people only do email marketing. Some people only do word of mouth. There's so much like information out there, but I would say that you were one of the first people, one of the first people in the dietitian, let's say, who's also a business coach space that was saying something like that on Instagram. Um, But before before we go there, I wanted to just say, you were saying that your husband kind of taught you how to um, honor your fullness because you grew up in a house that was... um, it was like not respectful to finish your plate. So you were part of like the clean your plate club. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was something that you realized only when you married him or started eating with him or when you read the book.
1: Yeah, no, it was, it wasn't a book thing. The book came after that. Actually, it was, um, so I am totally fine with eating more than my husband. Like it's, I actually still do to this day, probably eat more than he does. I'm five, six, he's six, four. He is a lot larger of a human than me. Scientifically, it doesn't really make sense because we're both, you know, probably similar activity levels, similar jobs. Like, like it doesn't make any sense, but I, I eat at least as much as he does. And often I will eat more than he does. So that's the context Mm -hmm. about what I'm about to say. But when we were newly eating together and newly like dating, we would, we would get together and make dinner and I would eat like double or triple the amount that he would eat at dinner. And I just noticed that like, and there was probably some judgment. There isn't any more toward myself, but I was just kind of like, what is the deal? Like, why am I eating that much more than this dude? Who's like so much taller and bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, And I started to notice that like every night at like eight or nine, he would also eat a snack. And I'd be like, Oh, you can't eat at night. What are you doing? So I noticed that like, there was just this, like, less franticness about if franticness is a word I don't think it is that's why I got like sidetracked I don't think that's a word but um I felt way more frantic about getting all the food in now at dinner so that I wouldn't go to bed hungry because I think that had happened to me a couple times um and maybe it was more subconscious but I would just eat all this food and then be like okay no more food I'm not allowed to eat but he would say he would eat until he felt full and then he'd Eat a, eat again in a couple hours and i didn't want to be the girl that was like no i don't want to eat that with you or no i'm not like i don't eat past such and such time of night so some of it was like a little bit performative like i wanted to impress him and i wanted to just like hang and not be a weirdo and so i started like kind of not eating as much at dinner so that i would have a little bit of an appetite in a couple hours when we would have something fun to eat together And then as we like got closer and started really eating together, like all day long, I learned, oh, he eats these huge breakfasts and he eats an actual meal size lunch. And like, oh, that's why he eats like the amount he eats at dinner because he hasn't starved himself all day. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. And not that I was starving myself, but you know, I was doing the classic, like bowl of cereal and like grab something quick for lunch and maybe skip lunch if you're too busy because food isn't a priority. And he's like, no, food is a priority. Like I want to eat and I want to make sure that I have a decent amount of food. So that was kind of the story there. And then, um, you know, I, I think I helped him a little bit with enjoying vegetables. He's from Wyoming, which you may not know the culture there, but there aren't a lot of vegetables. Like at Mm -hmm. least everyone I know from Wyoming's like, yeah, we don't eat a lot of vegetables. And Mm -hmm. if we do, they're not like the yummiest thing. Mm-hmm. So I helped him learn how to like enjoy different foods and kind of expand his palate. And we, like, I cooked very differently being from the Bay area of California. I had a very different like way of eating than him. He's kind of just like, anyway, very different worlds. We're mm-hmm. from very different worlds. So we sort of combined them together and came up with our own way of doing things.
0: So that, so, so right. I've heard Evelyn Tripoli, like the author of intuitive eating or like, I've, I've read about this a lot that we learn from like our spouses or sometimes a friend like about intuitive eating because they're such intuitive eaters like and Mm -hmm. we just were were so like you said you weren't starving yourself but like the classic bowl of cereal like I know before I learned about intuitive eating I was very yeah careful with what I eat like I would also like have a yogurt for lunch but I was really starving by dinner because it just like wasn't enough you know right Of course not yeah right I mean I see that all the time with clients like of course you're starving at eight o'clock at night you didn't eat anything the whole day so um but you were saying before also like in terms of like a like a being a people pleaser I find that that's also very big maybe even in Jewish in Jewish culture like somebody cooks you a meal you have to eat it it's just very rude even though like I kind of feel like that (laughs) when I cook like you better eat it but like I have to (laughs) I have to bring it in Exactly. Yeah, to take a step back because like you know we're trying to at least if, you know in my own family I'm trying to teach my kids like respect your body listen to your body what's your body telling you like you're you're full like okay no problem like we could always wrap up the food um you don't have to eat to please me mm-hmm. so that's something that you were saying that you were you've sort of been working for sure leaving your faith like is is working on people you know people pleasing like that's like probably the biggest way that you would work on that, but I'm saying in terms of food. Yeah. It's something that you really worked on.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, in so many ways, it's like the constant ongoing um, journey. I was going to say battle, but like, I'll, I'll use a different word. Like it's, it's just in me. I want to, I want to please people. I want to do the right thing. I want to be a good person. And that that's good in some ways, but it also right. makes you kind of lose yourself and not know what you need or connect to your cues or connect mm-hmm. to your body. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. It shows up in all kinds of ways for sure.
0: Yeah. I, so as a side note though, like, do you find that now that you're a mom, like you also like are offended that your kids won't eat your food or like you totally worked through I'm, I'm actually curious, like we sort yeah. of like absorb our parents' messages by osmosis, you know?
1: Yeah, so. we do for sure. I think You know, what's interesting is I had such different cultures um, at two two different houses that I don't really feel as much, like when I hear other people describe how much their parenting, their parents' words or ways kind of still come out in them. I just don't really feel that way as much. And I wonder if it's because I was raised in two different homes. And so nothing was very consistent. Everything was like one way over here and another way over Mm -hmm. there. So I didn't, I never got very stuck in, in one way of doing things. So I don't that's know if, if that plays a role in that, but so yeah, the, I, the
0: positives of divorce.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can spin it, right. We can yeah, find good yeah. in it, but yeah, yeah it's,
0: that's yeah. interesting. I don't, I've never, I've, I've never heard that. I've never heard that. That's really interesting.
1: And who knows, you know, I know a lot of other divorce situations are very different, but for me, it was like literally one week at my mom's house, one week at my dad's house. So it was 50, 50 Mm -hmm. timing. Um, And I also had step parents. So I had four parents who were, who were, you know, playing a role in my life and kind of rubbing off on to me about their philosophies and their approaches. So there's just a lot of exposure to a lot of different ways of doing things.
0: Are you an only child? no mm-hmm.
1: I have an older sister so we we both switched houses and then I have two half sisters my mom's second marriage and then um my two brothers, my dad's mm-hmm. wife so it's right. a hodgepodge confusing yeah. family yeah yeah
0: got it <laughs> I hear that so let's let's talk about for a second in terms of this is a great segue into people pleasing so like I listen to your podcast nutrition matters and um I mean it was it's a really popular podcast it was it was one well well, you said you started in 2015 when podcasting wasn't, it didn't explode like it did now. So mm-hmm. I would say like, if I was telling people about podcasts having to do with intuitive eating, I was saying either Christy Harrison's Food Psych or your podcast, really. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot about um, intuitive eating in practice from your podcast, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, I love, I love your podcast. Uh, and, th- and definitely you were the first person that started, t- I think that I was exposed to that t- started really talking about nuance and started really I think bridging the gap between like the the dieting and anti-dieting, like there could be some sort of middle ground and we don't have to be so extreme and that's what we don't like about um, the dieting world. I really found that in your podcast. And then you announced on your podcast that you were no longer doing it. Um, And that like, I I remember you saying something about somebody wanting you to write a book and um, them being very aggressive about what their beliefs were and it didn't align with your values. And I was really impressed that you took that stance as opposed to just sort of like bending your own values. So so could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. Um, so I tend to ramble, so like catch me if you're wanting me to go a different direction, but- Don't worry, um, my question was a
0: little rambly, so it's, it's no, all good. No, it's
1: good. It's perfect. <laughs> I love it. I love talking about this so much. So um, I have, I feel like I have a very good sense of what, um, like what I want to do and how I want to spend my time. And yes, I am kind of a people pleaser working through that, but slash, and I've been pretty fearless about doing what feels right to me most of my life. So with with all the steps of my practice of starting the practice of starting a podcast, doing an online course, um, blogging, bringing people on, taking insurance, like every step that I've taken, there's also like 10 things that I've said no to, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and you, you see the ones that I've said yes to, and that's cool. But it's also, I think the no's are also really important to look at. So there, and it's really like a, it's like an intuition. It's like a sense inside of me of like, I just know when I want to do something like the next step. And I know when something's not quite right. And I just like, don't, I want to say no to that. Or I want to like decline that. So I have in the beginning, when I was a little bit more vulnerable in my practice of like, Oh, am I going to make it? Am I going to make money? I had a couple opportunities come my way that just didn't feel like a good fit. And I kind of wrestled with it because it was kind of like, well, on the one hand, I could have more clients and make more money. But on the other hand, then I'm like aligning myself with this. Person that I don't know if they're gonna like be a good fit. And it was just kind of like, oh, what should I do? And I'm, I'm grateful that in the beginning, I just went with what felt good, even if it didn't, didn't make total sense. Sorry, I'm using that hand, but I mean this hand. Anyway. Um, and so I just went with the thing that felt right to me. And then I just saw that benefit me, like every time I did it. So it was like a little bit of a leap of faith in the beginning. But then as I got more experiences like that under my belt, I just learned to just trust that. Like, like when I wanted to start a podcast, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, mm-hmm. I need to do this. Like, I can't explain it other than like, I just feel called to do it. And then mm-hmm. when I saw that I had like 12 downloads on the first episode and I like, hadn't even like had no way of getting it out. there, some 12 people found it. I was like, what, how does that even happen? You know? So, so I just. I think that it's like really important ongoing work, at least for me, it feels like almost even like a spiritual practice of like when something feels right, do it. And also know that like it may feel different later and the, the work of letting go of your ego and like maybe people used to kind of hear my voice and know me and think like some people thought I was terrible, but some people thought, gosh, she, she knows what she's talking about. Like that feels good for sure. And so letting go of that when it no longer felt like something I was excited about or like it actually felt like a dread, like a drain. And I knew that I could be making a lot of money off of it because of the amount of downloads I would get. But I knew that that wasn't free money, right? I had to hustle. Then I, if I accepted advertisers, then I would have to start podcasting about topics that I knew people would click to download because that's how I would get paid. And I just like the whole thing, it just became too big, too much, too scary. And also frankly, it's very hard to talk publicly in today's like climate. I'm scared of saying the wrong thing. I'm scared of getting canceled. I'm scared of um, like people being scary and finding out where I live and like being, I mean, it just, some of the emails, some of the like things that I would get, like freaked me out, you know, and I'm like, like, am I doing this to be, to be like in the center and like, having a voice or am I doing this to try to do good work and I just started to that's so hard
0: it's so hard because you get so wrapped into your ego like you could have exactly you could have easily just taken that and been like great look people want it I'll make money and like to go to move away from that is like I don't have words
1: like I also like thank you for giving me credit for that but like I think it's even more simple than that it was kind of like I could hustle and stress and get all these crazy emails and like have freaking shame spirals that like make me have diarrhea for a week. Okay. I could do that and make money or I could just work with real people.
0: Right. Or you could just like, not do that. It's easier. Yeah. Like, yeah. like
1: I get that. It seems all like, wow. And, yeah. and to a certain degree, like I want to give myself credit. It is a big deal that I decided to do that. But on the other hand, it is like, it's like simple math. It's like, Oh, it's that, or it's just having a well-run practice, working really well with my clients, doing good work. And then like, hey, I'm done for the day. I'm heading home. I may or may not even sign into social media. People don't know me. Who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So-
0: Because you were on the trajectory of like, I would say- um maybe I'm wrong but just from what I see from like let's say Christy Harrison or or Alyssa Rumsey right like two big intuitive eating professionals who like now are published authors right so now they're more I would say like more famous well-known or or um in the field like I I can't lie to that that's a pull for me you know like I would want to be like I mean a part of me you know it's like I want people to find my podcast and I want people to like me and I want people to Right. But like, obviously, I mean, I, I just recently posted on, on Instagram, something that I, that I have in my planner that I wrote down, like I create like content to help people and not to feel my ego, but like, that's constant work because your ego is wrapped up into everything that you do as a business owner, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially social media. I mean, it's like a performance, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's all a performance. Yeah. I have a really low tolerance for that. Like me personally, like mm-hmm. I just, I, I have to be myself and I have to be authentic. And there is very formulaic thinking in the business world in the social media world of like, you do X, Y, and Z and you get this result. And like, what if X, Y, and Z don't feel good to me or like don't right. align with who I am, then what, you know, they're like, well, just put your head down and do it. Or right. you do X, Y, and Z and you don't get the result. And then they're like, oh, that's because you didn't quite do it right. And so how is that any different from a diet? That's the same thing. And I I think it's great that like Alyssa and Christy are doing what they're doing. And I think they're doing great jobs and helping a lot of people. I also don't think that we all have to be doing that to be valid, right? Like, I don't see how you, I don't know what they're doing in their practice or in their lives, but like, I don't understand how you could, Write books and be on social media and and be so like in the fray on Mm -hmm. on the like big scale and also be doing the work like the work of the and I'm not saying the work like it's different or it's better whatever but like for me that's a priority like I I love the feeling of helping someone see that what they're doing is just normal like their Mm -hmm. binging is is a normal result of not Mm -hmm. eating enough and seeing them transform their relationship with food and like really feeling like I helped that individual and that trickled down to their kids or their family or their circle. Like that gives me such a feeling of joy and it's so much quieter. Mm-hmm. And no one knows about it.
0: No fan No pair. one
1: really cares. No fan no. Fear. No. But like, okay. I, like if I check in with myself, honestly, it feels better to me and it feels safer. Like there, there's a part of, there's a part of like my history and also my personality that's just like I feel very unsafe like and very exposed online and I just don't know who these people are I don't know you know if someone's going to come unglued or unhinged like it just it freaks me out and I decided like for me and this is not to dog anyone else's choices but like for me it's like the unwritten assumption is more, 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 go, 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 do, 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 more people, more exposure, more books, more downloads, more followers. And you're just supposed to believe that and never question it. And I was kind of like, no, I actually like I liked being on Instagram better when I had not very many people following me. <laughs> like I liked podcasting before my podcast was a bigger podcast. Like mm-hmm. I don't really know if I want to write a book and then have, you know, hordes of people telling me what an idiot I am. Like, do I want that? Right.
0: I right. Really. Right. Yeah. You're always checking with yourself and with your values, like this, like the same thing with that, the Instagram post where you said that you decided to take insurance. I also take insurance by the way. So what, so you, at the time you were not taking insurance at all.
1: So I took, I started taking insurance in, um, January, 2020, which was really lucky timing because of yeah, the pandemic. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so grateful. So the process started, you know, more like that fall, cause it takes about three months to get credentialed and all that stuff. Anyway, long story short, I, um, yeah, I just, I was toying with the idea of not podcasting and not being on social media. And I let my husband know that I was thinking about that. And he was like, what are you like? Whoa, why would you do is that, that? Is like, that where you
0: were getting it. most of your clients?
1: I was getting, like, I have, like, a good local following because I used to write for our news, our local news. And so I think that's probably part of why I just had a lot of people who were actually, like, in driving distance of my office. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, I was getting a lot of clients from Instagram. And so the idea of not doing that and not having that be a priority, he was kind of like, do whatever you want, but you might want to rethink that. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. And so I just toyed around with it for a while and eventually just decided like, I want to do it. It feels scary. It feels like jumping off a cliff. I don't know what's going to happen, but I experimented with a a company an insurance company or two and it went really well and it wasn't that hard. And yeah, there's a lot to learn, but like, it was fine. i was like, okay, this is awesome. And then that summer I just so much was happening for me in my personal life. So much chaos, and so I just was like, I can't even be on here. And there was like, like the cancellation of other people. Like, I just like live vicariously through all this stuff. I'm just like, I witness it. And then it makes me feel so scared to say anything. And then mm. I'm like going to sleep at night thinking, well, how could I word that? So that, and it's just like, no, I don't want to be falling asleep at night thinking about freaking Instagram. Like, yes, no,
0: totally. uh huh. I want
1: to think about basically anything else, you know? Right. I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> anything about that yeah yeah totally. I totally hear what you're saying um well I would say that like okay I hear that about the about that and then insurance but was there a huge shift in terms of your income when accepting insurance or no
1: yeah so if anything it went up so you got
0: more clients or because you just
1: Because it corresponded with bringing on another dietitian in my practice who I didn't think I could fill her schedule with the self-pay referrals we were getting and, or just interest we were getting. So we started taking insurance. She filled her schedule immediately. Our insurance rate in Utah is like really good. So we actually get paid even probably better than like a self-pay rate or, or, um, similar. So we're lucky. We're really lucky, and it's yeah. relatively easy to get credentialed here. Um, I know that's not the same
0: everywhere. No, it's very hard here. It was took me out way more than three months. But okay, yeah. But I, I will say for at least for dietitians listening who are thinking about taking insurance, I spoke with a really nice dietitian and a really nice therapist who both take insurance. We spoke for about an hour, took down all the notes, and once I had everything set yep. up, it was pretty I like systematic. Did that
1: same thing. I found someone who seemed like they knew what they were doing. I was like, I need an hour of your time. And I Mm -hmm. paid her and I like, I was like, no pleasantries. I have so many questions and I just took furious notes. And that's, that is what I recommend people do. Like find someone local who knows what they're doing, ask them all Mm -hmm. the questions and you'll have what you need. And there's, Mm -hmm. there's definitely a learning curve, but
0: yes, it's nice.
1: So yeah, we've made, we, the income has increased with being off of social media and being not podcasting anymore. I I'm also enjoying the types of clients that I'm getting from insurance. The ones that I was getting from Instagram, this isn't a dog to them, but just like, there was so much, if it's fair to say, there's like so much brainwashing about what intuitive eating is online, that the ones I was getting who wanted help with intuitive eating were like so incredibly confused about, what it was, and almost like super on edge about anything I said that might be like, hmm, do you like, are you actually like a dieter in disguise? And it's it was just it, it was like a weird environment where it's like, no, we're talking about your health and your nutrition and the science of how your body works. And yeah, we want to work with like healing from dieting and all that stuff. And like I think you know me well enough to know like I'm not I'm not a, a dieter. Dieter. I'm not a secret dieter. Not a secret dieter, and like I know how to hold space for people, and like I'm super comfortable with like any topic. Nothing's off limits. I'm not, I'm not dogmatic about this stuff. But I don't know. Like some of the clients I was getting, it just like, it just felt like really intense, and like they were looking for a certain way of talking about it that just like kind of isn't my style, and like isn't really. I think. True to the intuitive eating world, but it is kind of what you absorb online. So it's fun. You just I mean, weren't
0: getting your ideal clients, basically.
1: I mean, I yeah, to a certain extent, I think I was, but to a certain extent, I just felt so sad for them that they were like so confused, like
0: mm-hmm.
1: feeling guilty about eating broccoli. I mean, like that's mm-hmm. where we were at. Like, oh, am I allowed to eat broccoli? And I was like, oh my god, okay, yes. right. don't just eat broccoli. <laughs> right. Right. right, right, so. So yeah, it's, um, it's just been a good shift and I still pop on there here and there on, on Instagram. And I like, I like to be able to kind of show people a different way because what you're seeing on Instagram are the people who have decided, yeah, like, this is what I want to do. And this is important to me to try to gain followers and stay on trend. But like, I kind of want to show, like, there's a lot of other people who have decided that's not really for them and they're, they're still doing fine. So that's, that's the thing I get when I have dietitian clients who are, um, working with me for like business stuff, they'll be like, Oh, do I have to be on Instagram? I hate being online. It's like, no, you, you don't, but you might have to make other choices. Mm-hmm. And it's just confusing because the only people they're seeing are the ones that are online. So I pop on right. there to try to kind of show a different way, but you know, I took, I took maybe seven or eight months of never even signing into Instagram. And then I signed back in and it was like, everyone was like pointing to words all of a sudden and like dancing. And it was like, it was like genuinely like jarring for me. I was like, oh, is this what you have to do? Like, and this is not trying to be like rude to the people who are doing that. Like, that's fine. It's just like, I don't really want to dance and like point to words or like do lip syncing to some clever quote that is funny and cool. It's just like, really? You're gonna try to make me do that?
0: Right, right
1: that would take so long for me to come up with. I'd rather just like work with a client.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. No, I totally hear that. Um, I haven't learned how, I don't even know how to do reels yet. And I did ask someone who's my social media guru, who's like really nice and helpful. She's like, yeah, you got to do it. I'm like, I'm not doing that. So (laughs) it's fine. I don't have like, she's like, yeah, I get so much more engagement. I'm like, I'm just not doing that. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I think, yeah, you're right. Like, because that whatever the algorithm or like social media is always changing. It's like, if you don't keep up, you feel like you're just a loser and you don't have to subscribe to that basically.
1: I really think on social media too, and this is all through my own lens, but I feel like I can tell who's authentic and who is just doing the things like, like you're telling me to do this, so I will do it. And I don't, I'm not checking in with what I care about or what I like or how I like to say things. And I'm really turned off by the people who I can tell are being kind of inauthentic with it. Because again, I'm really drawn toward authenticity. That's like something I really like about people is when they know who they are. And so that's that's another thing for me is like, I feel like people would be able to tell if I was doing something that I didn't really want to be doing. Right. And so that's why I kind of gave myself permission to not do things I don't want to do. Like, I don't think it's going to benefit me or acquire the like followers or clients that are going to be like, actually interested in me and what I'm doing and potentially, you know, buy a course or work with me or whatever. The people who are like that are the ones that are going to respond to my authenticity. So if Mm -hmm. I'm being like, you know, whatever on Instagram, maybe the people who see me there are going to be the kind of people that maybe won't even work well with me or like Mm -hmm. really know who I am or what I, do So to me, it seems counterproductive to do things that we don't like, but don't align because it's just well, not
0: it, right. Helpful. You also said that you were getting like you, you were paying attention to your intuition and doing things that were aligned with you and did feel good. And it was it was reinforced by positive results. So like that makes sense that you wouldn't like, okay, so you'll do that. But like at what cost, you know, the cost mm-hmm. of who you are. um But I do have a question. Um, maybe you have to think about it because this is like a hard question, but I heard a lot from business coaches that if people don't pay for their services, they don't care. They don't show up. I mean, I take insurance, so obviously I don't believe that, but did you, how did, did you feel like that at some point? And then, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, That's how do you question. feel about insurance? You know, people. some people don't even pay co-pays. They don't pay at all, Yep. but they still care a lot about the service. So how do you, how do you feel about that?
1: That's such a good question. And I actually have three different experiences with that. One is when I was the outpatient dietitian in the hospital setting, it was all insurance. And that was part of my complaint about that job was I was like, people don't care. People are not invested. Um, people show up like having no idea of what they're looking for, or what's going on. Like they can't even answer my questions. I was just kind of like, ugh, I do not like this insurance model. Mm-hmm. So that was part of why when I started my practice, I didn't take insurance. I, I wanted the skin in the game, the buy-in, and I also was really scared about what insurance meant, but like I, yeah. through my experience, I thought, no, that's not a good fit. Mm-hmm. So I did notice that when people paid, they seemed to, like my clients in private practice seemed very different from the ones I was working with in the hospital setting. Um, so that was part of what kind of made me nervous about accepting insurance. But now with like those two opposite experiences and now I'm more in the middle, like, I think, I think this is, this is where I'm at with it. I think that um, the types of clients I was getting in the hospital setting were maybe just not as invested because they didn't like seek me out. Their doctor referred them. They, there was no website to go to, to kind of decide, is this a fit? Is this not? I think where I'm at in this middle place here, where we're doing really, Um, intentional messaging around philosophy and approach and um setting expectations up really well about like billing and um 24-hour cancellation policy and like all the stuff that we do to like run the practice um I I think that it's maybe more about how like the the language that you have on your website and or like the ability for people to sort of self um like determine themselves of like, is this a fit or not? Because there's actually science around, at least in therapy, that about 70% of positive outcomes is predicted by whether or not, um, the client likes the therapist. Right. And so I think that that's part of the problem I was running into in the hospital setting was like, there was just no, like, I was just like this hospital drone, (laughs) almost like, not like a person, right. But where they're in my practice now even if they're taking insurance or we're taking their insurance, we're putting a credit card on file. We're holding them accountable for no-shows and late cancellations. We're setting expectations up. And they're also like deciding, is this a fit for me? Do I like you? Do I like working Mm -hmm. with you? Mm -hmm. So I actually don't see any problems with people, even my people who I see every week and they don't pay any money out of pocket. I don't see any differences with skin in the game, buy-in, um, so my my thought these days is it's more about messaging and expectations and um, making sure that the, the right people who will like you and fit well with you are finding you because there's so many people that we, that express interest in working with us that just end up not being a fit and we mm-hmm. refer out to other people because it's it's not a fit for everyone.
0: Right. I love that answer because I've always been like questioning myself or like, my own business coaches are like, yeah, like, I don't know, you know, but I'm like, no, my clients who come to me week by week, even if their insurance are paying for it, they want to come to me, they're invested. So if they weren't invested, I would tell them like, if you keep missing the appointment, if you keep being late, like I'm not getting paid. So it's not going to work. You know, i maybe I have to be a little stricter about like taking their credit card. <laughs> that's, that's my own stuff. That's really hard for me. Um, But but you said you had, sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go in a minute, but you said you have four dietitians in your practice. They all three, the three of them work for you. Mm -hmm. And that's been since you started taking insurance.
1: Um, I hired my first one in 2018. And then the next one, 2019. And then I think the next one was 2020. So it's like been one a year and we started taking insurance in 2020. So
0: that is amazing so inspiring and inspiring for me. Cause I'm always like, I didn't post today. I didn't whatever. And like, it just gets exhausting. Like I have a life outside of yeah. Instagram and yeah. I, I feel like I got a lot of permission from you. So just Good. so
1: you
0: know, yeah. Good. Yeah. And your classes are awesome. Uh, where, so where can people find you?
1: Our website is positive hyphen nutrition.com and, um, we have, you know, online courses there. And then also information about like our services, and a blog that's not regularly added to these days but there's a lot of good stuff from the past and we're hoping to start that back up again. It was just crazy during the pandemic to keep up with all the things um, mm-hmm. and and then the podcast is still published so you can check that out too and that's nutrition matters.
0: okay awesome and your Instagram do you want to share
1: that? Sure it's just my name Paige Smathers, RD as in registered dietitian
0: okay and you're taking new clients in Utah. No, I'm not. No, yeah, okay. I, I can't. Yeah. Okay, great. You're full.
1: Cool. And then I'm also, because I have such a team these days, I'm also doing a lot of work with them and a lot of mentoring um, and
0: supervision with them. So inspiring for me to see that one day I'll get there.
1: You can get there. <laughs> and you're doing yeah. awesome work. Thanks for all your great questions. This was really, this is like my favorite thing to talk about right now is like how we have identities and lives outside of the work we do and how we honor ourselves and take care of ourselves in the same ways that we're asking our clients to take care of themselves. Right? Like I, I really believe that you didn't ask this question. I'm just going to say it, but like, as, as people who do like important, meaningful health promoting work with our clients, like, I think we need to do the same work with ourselves. Like we need to explore where like quote unquote diet culture shows up in our own lives. Maybe that's with food, but maybe that's with business. Maybe that's Mm with, um, parenthood or making money or whatever and so I think having conversations with ourself about like what's enough um how can I like ha- like have balance in my life how can I have use the other parts of my brain that I don't use when I'm working or with my kids like how can I have a sense of who I am outside of outside of those other roles that I play in my life how can I get to know myself better so that I can speak from experience when I'm helping clients discover their cues or their values or their sense of identity. I just think it's such a super cool spot we're in that like we get to do similar work and however that shows up in our own lives. And I take that really, really seriously. And I don't think I would have been, I don't think I'd be the same person that I am if I didn't have this as my work. It's just Mm -hmm. challenged me and stretched me in so many different ways. And so, and, and we'll continue to, right. Like I, I don't consider myself done with any of that. Like it shows up all the time in different ways. So.
0: Yeah. I really appreciate that. Um, Yeah. Like I said before, like you, that your, your statement on the podcast and then on the Instagram, on Instagram. And I was like, yeah, like that feels so right. Like, I don't, I don't have to do this just because I, I was told I have to do this by a dietitian business coach or like I mean, so many, so many people also said you don't have to do it, but like, where was I getting sucked in? Where was it my own diet culture? And other dietitians have said to me, like when I've asked them about my own like body image stuff, they're like, we're doing this work, right? Like it's the same journey, you know, we're doing it with our clients, not separate from our clients, which I hope people know that like, we're all human and we all eat also and have food stuff and body stuff. And like, we're like in the trenches really trying to make a difference. So,
1: and on purpose, like how unrelatable and unhelpful would we be if we're like looking down on our clients, like from this high place of like, I have arrived and I know all the answers. It's like, that's again, 70% of positive outcomes are determined by whether or not the person likes who they're working with. So we have to be on their level, which we are. And so like, let's not act like we're not.
0: (laughs) Right. I love that. Thank you so much for your time. This was awesome.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Sure. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It With Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.